This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals.
to gather requirements. I began to to lay foundations so that I would know what it was we were trying to solve for in the design. I began to to talk to stakeholders. I began to talk to potential users. I began to interview users. I began to get an understanding of what it was the people in 1995 might be looking for. I began to shape mental models. Now, did I call it mental models? No. As I started to put together the information architecture, did I call it information architecture? No, I did not. When I began to make sure that things were scannable, that things were were readable, when I began to make sure that the findability was going to be optimized, when I began to conduct usability testing, did I use any of those terms? No, but I did in my very first project. Now, for years, I didn't give myself credit for that, and I learned differently. I, I did it. People today are cheating and lying and telling you that they did stuff they didn't do. I did it. So, yeah, I'm going to claim it. So to the people who said that I didn't, they don't really know the story. So I really don't care what they think, frankly. Uh, To the people who don't think that UX existed prior to 20 years beyond, we just didn't call it UX. The work was still being done in the HCI circles. What we now know as UX was being done. There was UCD, user-centered design work, being being done prior to 20 years ago. And the funny thing is, the people who who I've heard say that no UX work was being done, and they claim that anyone who claims as such is a liar, guess how much experience they have in UX? You're absolutely right. None. (laughs) And so we don't need, it's time out for us in the UX world taking the commentary of people who have no authority to speak on subjects and then take it to heart. Let's just throw all that out. You have every right to build your your skill, your acumen. You have every right to pursue a career in UX. Nobody has a right to misrepresent anything. So when these people are, take a look at people's credentials when they're talking. Take a look at their expertise. Look at their LinkedIn profiles and start to apply weight to the statements you hear because everything is not weighted and should not be weighted equally. Let's make sure to keep that in mind. Now, that's part of our foundation. Let's lay the second part of the foundation. So I've been doing the work for 26 years. I've been doing work, and this is where we start to shape our topic today more so I've been doing work for companies such as Wonderman Digital. Some of these I'm about to mention, I worked for and we supported other companies. So this is a mix of the two. MRM McCann, Digitas LBI, and the LBI stands for Leo Burnett Incorporated. And that is Digitas LBI, when I worked there, was the largest digital design company in the entire world. That's where I worked. Top of the food chain. Ford Motor Company. General Motors, Ryder, IBM, Cengage Learning, National Geographic Learning, Quicken Loans, United Wholesale Mortgage, Duracell, Jiffy Lube, USA Networks, CompuWare, Covacent, Macromedia, TechSmith. I have done work for or worked for all of the organizations I just mentioned, and this is not all of them. Now, what's the relevance? 
And why do I bring all of these things up? It's interesting how people like to, when they talk about UX, they like to put everything in the same basket. They like to talk about UX as if everything is the same, no matter where you are, no matter who you work for, no matter where you go. And that's not really accurate. Different companies have different teams. Different companies have different ways of doing their work. Different companies have different maturity levels. So because you have all these variations across all these different companies, small, large, startups, OGs, whatever it is, you have all of these different elements. And so because of that, I mentioned in that first project that I worked on for that nonprofit organization, I got involved in the project from the beginning. But guess what happens most times, and, and I'm really asking this question, this rhetorical question, because you can't respond. I'm asking this rhetorical question to those of you who might be new to UX, and you have, you're starting to, to, to formulate different ideas, and, and you're trying to sharpen your imagination. So I, I presented it as a rhetorical question. Let me tell you, we rarely, UX people, rarely get involved in a project in the beginning. And the companies where the UXers get involved in the beginning, that usually happens at the more mature organizations. It will be up and down in other organizations. One project you might get involved early. Another project you might get involved in the middle. And in other projects, it happens at what we call the ninth hour. Now, if you're not familiar with what the ninth hour is, and it's basically a metaphor, it means that you get, you're getting involved with the work at the last minute. They've already gathered all their requirements. They already know what they want to do. People have already been solutioning. They've done all of this stuff. They've even had some people do mock-ups. They put together some type of designs. And then at the very last minute, somebody will say, hey, are we going to get UX involved in this? <laughs> and, and I know a lot of you, you're, you're already laughing, shaking your head. You're holding your head in your hand, and you're just shaking your head because you know that this is all too common. So if this is all too common, why talk about it? Well, it's because of what I call UX train hopping. See, if we're going to bring value, as UX professionals, if we're going to drive the maturity level, the UX maturity level in our organizations, if we're going to help the C-level people, the C-suite, if we're going to help them to embrace UX, its value, and buy in to a more design-led approach to the work that's being done, when the maturity level is low, you're not going to get involved in the beginning because you're too busy wrestling with other people who feel like they need to do the work. They feel like we don't need you. We've always done it this way. You need to go away. These are some of the, the realities, some of the harsh elements that are associated with the discipline. And this is why a lot of the newer UX people complain that there's not enough entry-level jobs. There are entry-level jobs out there, number one. But what I'm trying to stress is that from a business perspective, because everybody wants to look at it from their perspective, we, even when you're looking for a job, when you're looking to interview somewhere, you have to look at the entire 
mode of operation from a business perspective. You have to approach it because it's you. You have to interview. You have to present yourself the best way that you can. All of that stuff, we know and get all of that. And we know you want the job and we know you've got bills to pay. All that stuff, it goes without saying. When you do not look at things from the perspective of the business, you've already lost. We're trying to bring value for the business. They're looking to hire you because of the benefit that you, whoever you is going to be, whatever you're going to bring to the business. So if we don't look at it from the perspective of the business, then that's a skewed and extremely biased view. You've got to look at it from their perspective, and theirs is actually biased from a business perspective, but they have the right to be biased. It's their money. (laughs) They're going to pay you. They're going to give you benefits. So they have a right to look at it that way. So if you're going to work with them, if you're going to qualify for the job, then you and I, we have to look at things from the perspective of the business that we're talking to. Makes sense, right? So we've got to do this. So. Different companies have different maturity levels, as mentioned. They're doing things different ways, and they're not, very rarely are they doing things correctly. So that said, UX people are not going to be involved up front. And whether it's the seventh hour, the eighth hour, or the ninth hour, the UX people many times get involved late. Very, very late. Now, If you're going to over 50 to 60% of the time going to be brought in at the ninth hour or close to it, it behooves us to be able to understand and have a strategy to make sure that we can bring value no matter when you come in, no matter when you're brought into a project. And, And if you're not good at bringing value When you're being brought in late, that is going to detract from the from the value that you can bring. And I almost forgot to to finish that one thought. So let me double back for a moment. One of the reasons that a lot of companies cannot bring in someone that does not have experience as a UX professional is because those people have no experience navigating the waters. It's not just about the UX. It's about the business acumen. It's not just about the UX. It's the ability to understand how things are flowing. And if you're just coming out of a boot camp or out of a degree program or you've been you've been self-taught and, and maybe you you did some some pro bono or some freelance work and you're trying to get your feet wet and get your first full-time job a lot of companies are going to have trouble trusting you because of the lack of experience. That is realistic, folks. So keep hammering away. We've talked about it before. Keep hammering away. Keep going forward. And don't let the fact that you've been rejected make you bitter. It is actually realistic. So it takes a lot of patience. Hang in there and keep pressing so you can get that first gig. Okay, so I double back. We're done with that. So let's talk about what UX train hopping is and what this is, because this is part of the strategy that we need in order to bring value, because it is a huge challenge. And I've been in a lot of situations like this before where the UX maturity level is very low. People don't understand who you are. They don't understand what you bring to the table. They don't know why they should trust you. They don't trust you. They don't want to trust you. 
they don't talk to you second hour, third hour, fourth hour, fifth hour, six, seven, eight. Next thing you know, somebody is convinced you just got to bring UX in. We need input from the UX team. And they're saying that without really knowing what you bring to the table. So enter UX train hopping. And I talk about this from time to time. And one of the things that that uh, the, the metaphors I like to use, one of the examples to help people understand what UX train hopping is, it, 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 there's a movie. I, I don't like the movie, but I'll mention it anyway. And the movie was called Divergent. And it was, um, uh, they call that a dystopian type of movie where uh, civilization is really falling apart and people are trying to make things work and they come up with all these factions and there's a bunch of different movies, Hunger Games and the Mad Max series, all these dystopian type of, of situations. This is no different in, in, in the movie Div- uh, Divergent. And all the different groups of people, they're divided into, if my memory serves me correctly, five different groups. And I'll, to, so we don't, I don't belabor you with going through all of that. There was one particular group that's called Dauntless. And every group is called pretty much what they are. So these Dauntless, they're reckless, they're adventurous, they're on the edge. It's the Dauntless people. And, and so one of the things I noticed as I went to see this movie that I, again, I felt was really terrible, but as I was watching this movie, something happened that, that helped me tremendously. And you know, when you, when you are what you are, you never turn it off. And if you're a UXer, a real UXer, and you have a passion for the discipline, you never turn it off. And during this movie, the dauntless people are running, they're trying to go from one place to another and there's a train that's running. And so they don't wait for the train to stop. The train is moving pretty slowly. So they, and this happened, there, there's three different movies, and this is something that they would do. I saw the first two. I wasn't about to watch the third one. And, but I noticed that they're always running and jumping on these trains. And as I saw them doing this, I began to think about what happens all the time that UX is brought in at the ninth hour. And that's where I coined the phrase UX train hopping. Now there's a lot of folks in the world of UX. They like to steal other people's ideas. Somebody's probably going to steal this one too. It won't be the first time somebody stole something from me, but just remember you heard it here first UX train hopping. They probably call it something different and claim it's something new. That's really popular in UX. And it's really sad that people do that, but they do it with UX train hopping. If we're going to get involved at the ninth hour, A lot of people, the mindset that many people have in UX is they want to go back to the beginning. They want to take that train and they want it to stop so they can get on comfortably. Folks, that's not realistic. They want the train to go all the way back to the train station. Folks, that's not realistic. They want the train to accommodate the comfort level that they have as an individual UX professional. Folks, it's not realistic. It's it's not fair to the stakeholders. It's not fair to the users. Can you bring yourself to jump on that train as it's moving to get involved in the project at the stage without causing any loss of speed, without doing anything that lends itself to your comfort zone, can you get with the subject matter experts and the clients 
and start to get the downloads so that you can make up for that lost time for not being on board at the beginning? Can, can you find a way to bring yourself up to speed where you can get to get all the information you need to get to the point at which you jumped on that train and, and then continue to again, find that low hanging fruit. As I mentioned, start bringing value and then Get that, that sharp vision so you can, in that short period of time that you have, drive as much value and benefit as possible. If they're only giving you an hour, a proverbial hour, to make good impact, why? It's not going to be perfect, right? You're, you're not going to have a per- perfect situation, so let's just make the most out of what we've got. This is what UX in the ninth hour is about. If you're waiting for every scenario to be perfect, every UX operational scenario, you know, I need to be able to do some research. We know we need to be able to do research, but what if you can't? How strong are your heuristic chops? How good are you at heuristic analysis? Because in some cases, the reality is you're not going to be able to do the research. Yeah, we know we want to be able to do the research. And you 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 have to be able to convince the person about that later. Maybe we can do research later. And if you can get them to buy into that, then good. But folks, it's not always perfect. We don't always have perfect scenarios in which to do our work. And if we're waiting for 100% perfect scenarios to do the work, guess who's not going to be able to drive value? Guess who's not going to, who's going to, I should say, have a really difficult time selling the C-suite on the value and importance of UX. We, when we're driving UX maturity levels, when we're trying to bring value, we don't have time to be picky about the scenarios and the opportunities that are given to us. We need to be able to spot the opportunity, seize it, make the most of it and bring as much value as we possibly can. So will it be perfect? No. Are you taking risks? Yes, but it's not as risky as doing nothing. After all, they did come looking for you, right? If you if you wait for or desire everything to be perfect, you will squander opportunities to further the discipline, the practice in that organization, and or the UX maturity level in that organization. So let, let's, let's seize the opportunity. Do our absolute best. Wait for the perfect chance later. And I've been in organizations where I, I, I was in an organization I didn't mention Bosch. I was a UX manager at Bosch. There was no UX practice in that division in the United States where I worked. I had to build it from the ground up and I look for every opportunity to bring value, every opportunity to to obtain wins. I stayed on the hunt for low-hanging fruit and I kept bringing so much success and so much of value and so many benefits across the board and then people started to hear about it and next thing you know, we finally got to the point where I had a seat at the table with engineers. Everybody knew about the success of the UX practice within that division of the organization. And folks, we were able to achieve that strong reputation that led to what they said was the best run division in that company, the best UX division 
in the whole organization, over 385,000 employees. You may have heard me say that before, but it's worth saying again. And it started because I aced doing UX at the ninth hour. I got UX train hopping down to a science and eventually I started getting involved in projects at the beginning. You are not going to to be given an opportunity to get in at the beginning until people are sold on the value that you bring. So let us be encouraged today. Let's let's master UX in the ninth hour. Let's get good at UX train hopping. Come up with the right UX train hopping strategy for your organization, folks, and let's get to it. UX has to be managed. It has to be groomed and we need to earn trust. Nobody's going to give it to us. Let's earn trust and then we build from there. Sound good? I certainly hope so. Folks, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you again for your time, but it's time to sign off now. This is your host, Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.